Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our life. We ask that you please uproot all the things in our hearts and in our minds that is offensive and, and displeasing to you, Lord. We ask that you please replace it with your word. Place it with those things that will allow us to be positioned to fulfilling your plan, will, and purpose in our life, God. Please make sure that we always understand and know what your plan, will, and purpose is for us. Don't let us deviate, God. Continue to lead us through the power of your Holy Spirit and let us be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Father God, let us hear your voice and only follow you. And so we thank you right now for giving us access to you. Thank you for giving us your word. We ask that you allow it to um, resonate in our hearts. Let us reciprocate the things that we need to in order for us to be prosperous and be able to um, have have enough um, power through your Holy Spirit to do everything that we need to do according to your plan and your will. So right now, Father God, I thank you for um, giving me filling me up with your Holy Spirit. I ask that you will help me to um, be led in this conversation by the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, thank you so much for filling me up. I, I ask that you will lead me in this discussion, allow me to discuss everything that I need to. Don't let me forget anything. And um, most importantly, Lord, we ask that you please allow your will to be done in our life. Please let me also speak the things that are edifying to the hearer and also can provide hope and um, encouragement to those that are filled with despair and hopelessness. So, Father God, we thank you today for your plan, will, and purpose being fulfilled in our life. Please, God, also allow the Holy Spirit that is inside of us to influence every single person, every single thing in this world through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you right now that you continue to give us discernment and um allow us to just receive your word but most importantly lord we want your will to be done not our will or anyone else's will but we just want your will to be done in our life in the name of jesus christ it is still in your home and blood amen hey everybody thank you so much for joining me today on laws life and health let's talk about it so today i'm just going to continue on in the discussion of um women's health so yesterday I was just kind of giving a recap about Eve. And um, so today I want to kind of finish up with Sarah and hopefully I could soon be able to go on to a different podcast. Um, I was thinking about possibly doing like a couple different podcasts per week. So if you all have any suggestions about that, like I could... excuse me i could do um two different podcasts per week and do them interchangeably (laughs) so for instance i can do um women's health and then another one like um uh perceived as thugs why so that's a a different podcast that's going to be talking about um the how ex-offenders are aren't able to be reintegrated back into society and recidivism isn't fully combated and so i wanted to talk about that on that podcast so there are a couple different options that i can do each week just let me know what you all think 
you all can send me an email um send that email directly to uh deanna watson at suddenchangescorporation.org also if you're interested in um becoming an author or writer and you were thinking about maybe doing some volunteer work or you needed to complete some mandatory um a mandatory customer service community service um please go ahead and send me that email at info at suddenchangescorporation.org and if you wanted to do a prayer request please also send that prayer request to uh laws life health at suddenchangescorporation.org all right so thank you all so much for um joining me today i really do appreciate it um so let's just kind of dive right in the word today so i wanted to talk about sarah so um last week i believe we were talking about um sarah is abraham's wife and so her name actually is strong's number a two a three and literally means abraham's wife so sarah is the mother to all god's children that have faith in the lord and do good we see this in first peter 3 and 6 and genesis 17 and 6 so sarah had faith similar to abraham but god did not accuse abraham of laughing like he had did sarah so i went over that scripture last week about how when abraham was talking to god and he was saying like oh i'm gonna now have a have a child at 100 years old so abraham had a child and he was 100 years old and sarah was 90 so when sarah had laughed about this she was laughing in and in a way where she seemed to have challenged god like it was as if Sarah was laughing at God and Abraham was laughing with God when he did it. So he fell down and began to laugh. Like, oh, I'm going to have a, a child at 100 years old. But when Sarah found this out, she laughed as if, oh, wow, I'm, uh, wow, I'm old in age. So it was as if she was making fun of the situation that God was simply blessing with so many times we may be thinking and looking at going and give us what we need a when it comes to god being able to produce things for us so there is no limitation so many times, like our knowledge and our understanding of things, the way the the is limited because our fleshly limits are always limited. Uh, uh, but when we have access to God, power of the Holy Spirit, we have un- that means that when God is ready to access, that means that regardless of your age or whatever you may think that you're unable to accomplish god will give you unlimited access and so that's what's important to understand it doesn't matter how old you are it doesn't matter what position you are in where you're geographically located what is happening around you it does not matter with god you have all access which is unlimited access so Sarah was making fun of this, but really, in actuality, God blessed her. So um, we see that when she was laughing at God um, and Abraham was laughing with God, we can look at Genesis 17 and and chapter 17, verse 17 through 19, and also Genesis 18, verses 12 through 15. So although Sarah could not reproduce children because she was barren and could not have children, 
this is in Genesis eighteen eleven. So she could not have any kids. She did have a child named Isaac, and it, it, which is in Hebrew means laughter, right? So Isaac's name actually means laughter. So let's pull this up. I'm gonna pull pull um her son name up. So this is in uh. We're looking in uh, Genesis 18 and 11. So let's look at here. We don't got 18 and 11, but we see Genesis 17 and 21 is still the same. So um, so the name Isaac is listed in the Bible 123 times, 123 Bible verses. And there are four different meanings to the name Isaac. So I'm looking at, at the Strong's Concordance. So basically the Strong's Concordance is... Um, uh, the ability to translate the Holy Bible, which is called the Dead Sea Scrolls originally, um, the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew Scrolls, and the New Testament is written in Greek. So we have these two different scrolls in the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew. Um, um, the first five books is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so that is considered the Torah or the law. Now, when we look at the New Testament, starting from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that is where, that's the Gospels, the four Gospels. That's talking about the life of Jesus and when Jesus was here on earth. And so we see a silent period from the Old Testament into the New Testament, which is from the book of Malachi on to the book, book of Matthew. So we see that there this this silent period is a 400 year period where God did not speak at all. And so during that time we had the gospels that was generated. And so when 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 we're trying to understand the word of God, you want to first try to understand Jesus and what his position was when he came here. So Jesus Christ was 100% God and 100% man. He was made just a little lower than the angels, the Bible says. And so we see this, um, that he was 100% God and 100% man. And so that cannot be refuted whatsoever. So while Jesus was here on earth, he did not use any of his godly powers to actually defend himself for any reason. Even when he was crucified, he did not defend himself at all against the religious Pharisees, right? And so we see this crucifixion was able to atone for our sins because through Eve, people and man, civilization, we were all condemned, basically condemned to death because the law does not provide salvation. The law does not that the grace that we need in order for us to be sufficient and so we're always constantly battling our desires the desires that are lurking within us is always attempting to be fulfilled and satisfied so many times it's always going to be a battle of your desires and pleasures why because this is something that eve basically allowed humans to be filled up with in their spirit so the knowledge of good and evil is always present in the 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 flesh of human beings and so we're always going to have goodness and badness lurking 
And so in order to receive the salvation, the atonement, basically for us to be washed clean from that, we need to have the atonement of Jesus Christ, meaning we need to receive salvation so that that evil and that the, the evil that is lurking within us will be extinguished. So it can only be extinguished with goodness. It's coming from the blood, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His sacrifice. So basically, we're we were like open to evil, but when He died on that's in his blood and so his blood is so powerful that you know once we once we receive the salvation of god and have access through the holy spirit then god is blessing us we bless because we have access to having eternal life through jesus christ by us receiving salvation we also receive the grace that comes from god which allows us to even when we are messing up again sometimes because the flesh is what the flesh is always wanting to fulfill its desires and pleasures and so we are always constantly in this battle of good and evil and it's like we have to stay in constant prayer because if we're not we're always going to want to be fulfilling desires and pleasures and so we see um just going back here that when jesus was crucified on the cross he resurrected he was on earth literally for 40 days and during the time when he was here on earth he ministered to people and he he let them know um what to do and so what he said was what he said was um He says uh, for us to go out and make disciples. So we see this in Matthew 28 in verse 19 and 20. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this is what this is a request that God made to us and for us to be able to accomplish so we see that in the king james version it says go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost um so we see this same thing mentioned in the um in mark chapter uh 16 and verse 15 through 20 it says um the king james bible says and he said unto them go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall not shall be shall be damned and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name they shall cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues they shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover so the, so then after the lord has spoken unto them he was received into heaven and sat on the right hand of god and they went forth and preached everywhere the lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following amen so this is so good i really like oh i am so happy that bible gateway 
They they literally now I just have to do a sad note here because I'm always on Bible Gateway. All right. Um, and the interesting thing about this is this scripture is in both in two different places. So with me pulling up one, now it has pulled up the other scripture in Mark. So now since I have Matthew 28, 19 and 20 up, it pulled up Mark 16, 15 and 20 as well. This is so amazing. So I just really like, I'm really ecstatic about the direction that Bible Gateway is going, um, specifically for individuals that are studying the word of God. And also, um, you know, like with me referencing them that, you know, when you click on the link, you will be able to go directly and see there. So I'm going to make sure that I try to add this link because I do have like limited amount of information that i can paste onto one page for some reason it's always kind of like giving me problems and stuff and um i would like to add more information to it but i think that i kind of over exceeded the amount of information that i can post on the blog but um that's neither here nor there i just wanted to add as a side note that bible gateway is so awesome okay um all right so you all, please go and donate to them, too, because they really, really do do a very great job of keeping the Bible up to date. And um, they're always referencing King James and the NIV, which is the most who dominate um, translations. And so I, I like really appreciate just being able to u- utilize them. So now we see that this is so what Jesus wanted for us. Um, he wanted us to go out and and and, and basically go out and teach everyone right the um go out and teach everything that he had commanded us to do and so that is god says that we can do all things through christ who gives us strength and so when you understand that that just simply means that through jesus christ when he died on the cross with the same spirit that lives this the same spirit um that raised jesus from the dead it actually lives on the inside of us. So if you go to, um, let's go to, I'm going to go to Bible Hub. Romans 8 and 11, it says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So that's the NIV version. The New Living Translation says, The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. So the English standard version says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The King James Bible says the same thing. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So let's look at the Amplified Bible. And it says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Amen. So I like the Amplified Bible. So we see that the the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, it lives inside of us. So therefore we live, 
right? It will raise our mortal body. So how much more do you think it gives us power? So we have power to do the things that we need to do. But many times we give in to the desires of our flesh. So let's look at this. So um, Isaac name, just going back to Sarah and Isaac. So when she had a child named Isaac and his name um, in Hebrew, it means laughter, which is Strong's number 3327, which is pronounced Yiscock and spelled Yiscock, Y-I-T-S-C-H-A-Q. Um, we, this can be found in Genesis 21 and 2, Genesis 21, 7 and 8, Galatians 4 and 23. So going back to the Strong's concordance of the name Isaac. So we see that there are 123 different verses of the name Isaac before different meanings. So we understand the strong concordance from Bible scholars. They are the ones who interpret the Bible from Hebrew and interpret it from Hebrew scrolls. And then they interpret it into English. And we also see that they do the same thing for the Greek, which is in the New Testament. And so once once um, once you need to do like a research and you want to start studying the Bible, you can go and analyze the information that you need in the Strong's Concordance. So for each word in the Bible, it's supposed to have a Strong's number or a lexicon number. And it will have a Strong's word, which is a um, Hebrew word or Greek word. So it will be like the Strong's word, a lexicon word. So each word has its own number and has its own meaning. So for instance, the word perfect is mentioned in the Bible, 94 different verses, but it only has 23 different meanings. It actually is Strong's number A535, which means Tam in Hebrew, which is the English translation of being mature in nature and in thoughts. And so that's what that means. And so now, um, just kind of moving forward to better understand Jesus when he when he died on the cross, he resurrected, he stayed here for 40 days on earth, just ministering to people. Then he ascended into heaven. Ten days later, he sent down the Holy Spirit and they filled the apostles with the Holy Ghost. So they were all drunken with the Holy Ghost. And so we see that in order to get to the Father, you have to come through the Son which is Jesus Christ. So the Holy Trinity, although it's never ever mentioned in the Bible as Holy Trinity, we see that the Father is God. The Son is the word, which means logos, which means the Christ. So logos in, in Greek, I believe, is um, the Christ. And so so you have the Father, which is God, the Son, um, logos, which is word, word, the word, and the Holy Spirit. So you have three separate persons within the Holy Trinity, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so what happens here is when Jesus ascended into heaven and he sent down the Holy Spirit to us, 10 days later, that's when he sent the Holy Spirit. And that's considered 50. 40 days he was here on earth after his resurrection. 10 days later, he sends the Holy Spirit. So that is considered 50, a total of 50. So that that word 50 means Pentecost, right? So that means the day of Pentecost, right? It's basically breakthrough, breakthrough, yes. And so um we also we also know that in order to receive salvation, you have to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He 
was crucified, he resurrected, and he ascended into heaven. You believe that he is God, and so you will receive salvation. And um, that's the good thing about it. And so when, even when you make a mistake, God knows your mistakes. It's so important to not, don't feel, don't feel like God won't talk to you or feel like God is going to abandon you and ignore you. Because when God is silent, it does not mean that he's ignoring you. Okay. What silent mean is God is observing you. God is still with you, but that doesn't mean that he has abandoned you and he's ignoring you. What silence means to God is he's just waiting on you to act as his child. For instance, when your parents send you off to school, they expect that when you're in kindergarten, you're going to have manners. You're going to listen to your teacher. Your mom and your dad said, listen to your teacher when you go to school. And so when your teacher tells you to go and sit on your desk, by your desk, go sit, go sit on your desk. So that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to not go to school hopping around and playing. School is not a social event when you're in eighth grade, right? Some people go to school and they feel like it, this isn't a social event. So I'm going to have fun at this social event. But school is not set up for it to be a social event. This is a learning environment. So your parents, when they send you off to school, like if you're in high school and then or that... They're expecting or you're anticipating that you as a parent are going to have children that are going to be able to go to school and learn what they need to learn because you taught them the things that they're supposed to do. And so it isn't that your parents are constantly under you 24 hours a day because you have to, the children have to go to school and the parents have to go to work. And so parents are looking at, okay, are your children going to be able to, you know, Go to school and listen. And so that's the same way when God is silent with us. When God is silent, he simply wants to make sure that you can still be obedient and bad by his word. And so that's what that means. So sometimes when we mess up, when God is silent to us, it's like it's, you know, it's, it's not good to deviate from God's plan because God wants us to be. God wants us to be nations about everything that means that we should never give up on anything that god has planned for us we need to stay focused on the goal so being able to keep the state of course means that even when god is silent don't interpret god's silence for ignoring you because god never ignores us he's just silent at the moment for instance when we look at the silent period god was silent from the old testament to the new testament where it's talking about the life of jesus so from the old to the new we see the gospels and this is something that's so important god allows everything to happen for a reason all right and we need to acknowledge and understand those reasons that god um wants us to be mature so god's silence actually allows us to see our maturity in our walk with Christ. So we see that Sarah trusted God. So let's go to this um, verse. We're going to go to uh, go to Hebrew 11, 11. Then we're, I want to go to Genesis 21 and 2. Genesis 21, 7 and 8. And Galatians 4 and 23. 
And this is where we're going to see about Isaac and uh, uh, Sarah getting pregnant. So it says here, Sarah became pregnant. And so she bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. So this is in Genesis 21 and 2. So she became pregnant at 90 years old. And so like when you think of the impossible, sometimes I do. I do think that some things are like so impossible. I just be like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. Right? You know, and so sometimes when we looking at things from our from our fleshly perspective, it, it can be confusing because guess what? Our flesh has evil, right? And that means that it could be motivated by deception. Because when your flesh is being motivated by fulfilling its desires and fulfilling its pleasures, that can also be attached to deception. So your motivation for fulfilling your desires and pleasures are now attached to deception. So you're deceived in these areas. And so deception that's attached to your motivation could really very well influence your ability to be able to trust in God. So we see that when God says something out of his mouth, it doesn't, It there is nothing, there is nothing that is within the power of God that God cannot allow or create to happen on your behalf. So God has the ability to do all things. God is not limited. And so when you have the Holy Spirit you have unlimited power. So that's unlimited power. And so sometimes when we're going through things and we we feel like we're not as strong as we can be, like for instance, sometimes when I make a mistake, I feel like, oh, I, I'm, I guess I wasn't as strong as I thought that I was. Or I guess, you know, like, I'm always doing what I'm supposed to do. But sometimes when you make a mistake, it's like, oh, okay. Now, now I'm trying to revert back. What can I learn from this mistake so that I don't repeat? I don't have repeated failures. So there's a difference between making a mistake and then doing the same thing over and over, the exact same thing over and over and over again. So now it's like, okay, well, I don't want to have this repeated mistake. So what did I learn from the last failure? Because I don't want to have a repeated cycle. And then so I have to analyze that and I have to look at that. And sometimes it's like your mind tells you, okay, well, I could do some of the same stuff in this situation, but the results could be different. But really, in actuality, it's not going to it's not going to deviate that far. So some results will be skewed over others. And the reason why is because when you're repeating failures, you're not doing anything too drastic. And so God, what God wants us to do is to do things that is outside of the norm of our mind. So don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So we have to try to be transformed away from our cultural norms. So right now I have been writing about, let me give you all example. I have been writing about 
well, I'm taking a social marketing class. And so in this social marketing campaign, I am talking about so many different things. All right. And so for me, passionate communication, right? It allows, let, let me talk about this compassionate communication. Okay. So I want, I want organizations. <coughs> I want, excuse me. I want organizations in the workplace and underserved communities and within government authorities to see that passionate communication disrupts conventional cultural norms and provokes thinking that transform current processes that have been proven ineffective, explicitly streamlining social transformation. So this behavior is better than the competition because it allows the opportunity to influence the greatness in others through passionate communication that is not afraid to induce insights that will make them achieve results and greater dedication and create negotiation, cooperation, improve perception, clarity, and impact with value. And so my goal is, is to be able to create this passionate communication amongst individuals in the workplace, um, in underserved communities, and also within government authorities. And so how can I be able to sort of get these organizations and people on board to transforming their communication efforts? Well, my goal, my goal is, is quite simple, right? And it's very succinct because what happens is if you're able to convey your message in a way that creates vulnerability communication, where you can basically help change the way that we communicate with our opposition. How are we communicating with our competitors, right? How do we com How do we communicate with individuals that we don't always agree with? For instance, I don't always agree with, I don't always agree with um, Democrats. I'm not a Democrat. I don't always agree with, you know, Republicans because I'm not a Republican. I am a conservative libertarian. Okay. And so I support many of the ideologies of Republicans. And I also support many of the ideologies of Democrats. When it comes to the poor and the, the, the lower working class. And so I believe that in order for us to have, um, we, in order for us to have real social transformation that really impacts not just the Republicans or the Democrats, but also those that are independent and individuals that are conservative or uh, libertarians or just libertarians. So it's important to be able to understand your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And so within this social campaign that I plan on sort of, you know, discussing amongst these corporations, including the workplace um, and with organizations that work closely with underserved uh, people and underprivileged communities and also within government authorities. So when I think about all of this, for instance, 
when we think about how when we improve our communication it can enhance the quality of service with people being more engaged within the community and also the workplace including building that um that trust with government authorities and community members so we can achieve greater dedication within the workplace within school including personal life and cultural culture so we have also individuals in the workplace that will experience customer and employee loyalty you we can have improved perception this also leads to understanding people with intent by having intentional listening it it sponsors cooperation so it doesn't matter if you are a you know a democrat or a republican or if you're an independent it's really about how are you conveying your message in order for other people to understand your position so for 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 instance with with me i have been to plenty of webinars that really really discusses the motivations of the lgbtq community and so i don't support the ideologies of lgbtq specifically as it pertains to as it relates to my spiritual beliefs in god right but am i a judge absolutely not i am not a judge god is the true judge god will judge them god will judge me god is going to judge all of us so my only question is with me not being a judge to them because god is their judge how do you plan on respecting the boundaries of, of others while you remain your authentic self and i'm i can rephrase it so how do you plan on how do you propose staying authentic and respecting the boundaries of other people so it's about the type of communication efforts that we have with people that question within government that question being conveyed to underserved communities and that question being talked about in the workplace will shape a different perception about how we perceive the lgbtq community so it's all about the type of communication efforts that we are maintaining within society for instance many things that we talk about it could lead to isolation so when a person is offended it leads them to having isolation it also sets unclear goals and intentions and mission so people are unclear of intentions they're unclear of the overall mission so for instance in the workplace you see so many people within the workplace that really are not maintaining the goals of the mission statement because they feel like i don't have to collaborate with this department or i don't have to you know work with Susie ann and i don't have to walk work with john smith i don't have to do all of these things because i work in this department but in fact you work for the organization abc company if you working for abc company and Susie ann is working for abc company and john smith is working for abc company it doesn't matter if whatever department you're working in if the organization goes bankrupt everyone loses their job so it's it's important to understand that it does is your your job is to maintain collaboration 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 it's about collaborating
with your departments with where where you work how are how are community members collaborating with gatekeepers of their community how are the community policing able to influence individuals in underserved communities when people that are community members do not feel a sense of belonging or a sense of trust with community policing so you can see police officers in one neighborhood like just say suburbia for instance and everyone feels safe and protected but if you see police officers in minority communities in these underserved communities no one is going to feel a sense of sense of uh protection or a sense of trust because of the relationship that community members do not have that sense of trust with government officials and also with community policing so we have to change our verbiage in the way that we're communicating our efforts for instance some people use like language in a way where it creates these language barriers and so you have individuals who want to pronounce their words a certain way or some people have elevated language and they use profanity right quite often more than others and so no one wants to have to go to the dictionary every single time that you're ex explaining something so for instance if i say etymology you know that would be confusing to some people why not just say okay you want to go look that word up let's look in a dictionary so it's about creating the atmosphere and the environment for not just people in the workplace or underserved communities but making sure that government authorities are also maintaining these type of communication efforts with the public that way it allows a collaboration it allows for cooperation and negotiation right so we want to create these collaborations where people are having a sense of belonging and not just when you're speaking they're having selective hearing because they don't want to hear what this person is saying because they you said something that offended them and now they're they're going to be led to isolation so we see that offense leads to isolation but if you're able to, you know, um, convey communication that is going to disrupt cultural norms, then you're going to retain active listeners. You're going to have reflective, reflective listening and intentional listening. You'll have better work performance, better productivity in communities, including in government. You're, you also have effective and efficiency being displayed from these people. So there's a difference between effectiveness and efficiency. That's two different things. People can definitely be effective, but are they living a life of efficiency? How is their quality of life? So our communication really, really need to disrupt these cultural norms that are really being dominating in society. So this creates a friendly environment. It provides, you know, this feedback of quality feedback, and it also enables trust instead of distrust. And so it, it, it extinguishes deception because now people are collaborating in a way where it enables and sponsors transparency so when you in order to create transparency you you don't want to have 
involuntary ethical implications where you have disloyal customers you have negative word of mouth being spread you have all of these subjective biases that are being dominating within your community because of something that happened to john smith around the corner that everybody just hate the police what the police driving over here for the police and up here locking everybody up for no reason all they was doing was just they was just selling loose cigarettes they were selling loose cigarettes. There's a million people out here getting shot in Chicago and they want to take the people to jail that's selling cigarettes. Police don't have anything to do but take people to jail that's not doing nothing. So this is the perception in underserved communities. So how do you change that? You have to first change the way you communicate. If I'm in a relationship in this marriage, we have to be able to communicate. So when you have a relationship with God, and I'm just going back to the scripture now, when you have a relationship with God, you're going to have to communicate. So communication, it starts at communication. It starts at your conversation with the Lord. So once again, what is my goal objective? So we remember to set these goals because we have to have goals implemented in order for us to reach our goals in order for us to fulfill god's plan will and purpose you have to have smart goals so what are smart goals it's not like you know so look wait so smart goals are very specific you need to state the purpose of what you're trying to accomplish so for instance i'm trying to fulfill god's plan will and purpose so that's the smart goal is it measurable can i fulfill god's plan will and purpose is it measurable? Is it within my means? Am I trying to build a tower of Babel all the way to the heavens by myself? It needs to be measurable. Can I really achieve this goal in a way where I can do it? Can I do it on my own with the help of God? Can I do it with the Holy Spirit? How is it measurable? Well, I can take the Holy Spirit with me. I can make sure that I'm in prayer. Yes, it is a measurable goal because I can fulfill God's plan, will, and purpose. So the S is for specific. The M is for measurable. The A is for achievable. Can this goal be achieved? Can it be achieved in a way where I'm not just being effective, but can I be efficient in this process? Because I want to be not just effective, because if I'm going to, you know, get advice um, from, from somebody at work, I don't want to just be an effective employee. I want to be effective and I also want to be efficient. So in order for me to integrate those two character um, qualities, I'm going to have to have effectiveness and efficiency so how can i do that in what ways can i achieve this goal so i i know i need to be consistent i'm gonna have to have consistency in my relationship with god i'm gonna have to have consistent prayers i'm gonna have to have consistent conversations with god i'm gonna have to have consistency and being consistent on a daily basis am i gonna pray once a week in order to be effective, I could probably pray once a week and be effective, but I'm not going to be efficient. So in order for me to be effective and efficient, I have to look at the amount, the frequency. How often am I doing this? Can can these goals be achieved in that way? So you're looking at the, the, the amount of consistency you have.
including the type of um uh, uh the type of strategies you want to use are you being strategic can you really really maximize so in order to do that you're going to make smart goals that are specific measurable achievable and the next one is r is they should be realistic so realistic goal is okay so i know that if like for instance when i stopped smoking last year right that did not happen overnight so my a realistic goal is do you think that you're going to stop eating chicken tomorrow if you've been eating chicken your whole life so that's not a realistic goal now can it be done can you be healed from eating meat well i i would assume that you can be healed but what you know like god wants you to do things that it says in his word let's go to this scripture i want to go to another scripture here so we see um faith without works is dead we're gonna go to james 2 and 18 it says but someone with faith you have faith and i have deeds show me your faith without deeds and i will show you my faith by my deeds so um let's look at the whole book of james i'm just look at james i need to look at the verses before that so james 2 and so when we see here it says um what good is it my brothers and sisters if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds can such faith save them suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food if one says to them go in peace keep warm and well fed but does nothing about their physical needs what good is it in the same way faith by itself it is not accompanied by action is dead so faith without works is dead and so what this means what this means is that you're not going to go to someone and say to them you see that they don't have clothes you see that they don't have food and you say to them well i hope things get better for you and then you just leave them like that so it's like that that's not what we do and so that's what it's saying in verse 15 and james 2 and 15 suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food in verse 16 if if one of you says to them go in peace keep warm and well fed but what but does nothing about their physical needs what good is that if you're not really contributing how are you effective you're not going to be effective yes you can you have faith because god has given each and every one of us a measure of faith but god wants you to maintain your deeds your actions your work so you need to set realistic goals if you're sitting here and you've been eating chicken and pork your whole entire life you're not going to stop eating pork overnight it doesn't work that way and so since i moved to memphis i can literally tell you this chicken is something that is a delicacy here everyone eats chicken 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 and so like i really coming from chicago i have access to so many different meat houses where it's like i haven't always eaten meat i was vegan before i was vegan for almost a year and so when i think about you know the food that's here in memphis i'm not saying that you know it isn't good it is good 
But, you know, it's quite expensive for chicken. Chicken in the South is very expensive. You get four wings for $49.99. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> it's, really, it's, really, it's really not that expensive, but it is on the expensive side. But when it, when it's when you compare it to the city of Chicago, but um like so I'm used to eating like uh turkey chops and turkey tips. Like you could go to a restaurant and be like, "Can I have some turkey um barbecue? Give me some turkey tips instead of pork tips." You get turkey tips. So anytime you are visiting Chicago, there is a place on 83rd and Cottage Grove. 83rd and Cottage. No, wait, wait. Is it that I think that's 70 it's 79th and Cottage in between, but it's they sell turkey tips and it's so good. Okay. Spicy too. Turkey links, like real big turkey links that's spicy. And it's so fire. You can get the regular ones too. And so what I'm saying is when you go to a different environment, you may not have access to all of the same stuff that you're used to eating. You may not have access to all of the same things that you 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 accustomed to being in the city that you were born in or your native land or your native um place, right? So it when you moving somewhere else, they're gonna have what is native to them. For instance, down here is a lot of pork. They sell chillings all year round in the grocery store. Cause every time I go through the grocery aisle, I'm looking for some steak. I don't eat steak that much, but I, steak is always, always next to the pork. And pork, they always are filled with chitlins, the bucket of chitlins. So that's another thing that I noticed. So um, like my mom, she loves some chitlins. But in the city of Chicago, you will never have access to chitlins like that. It is a war for chitlins. For people that eat pork, it's a war for chitlins. And you only going to see them around Thanksgiving. But in the South, you can have access to chillings 24-7. So the, the, what I'm saying here is many times, like I have felt like, ah, I just miss my, I miss my native place. I miss Chicago so much. And, you know, just thinking about all of the things that I have access to, I don't have access to them here. But what God wants us to see is that we don't need to focus on what we don't have. And yes, our faith, God is a provider, but he wants us to accompany our faith. Uh, our faith is attached to our works. Your faith is attached to what you do. So if you're, some people say, well, I'm believing God in this. Okay, you can believe in God in this. You can believe that God is going to supply you with the type of food you like to eat. Because I believe it. I believe that I'm going to eventually, you know, in some place, I found a place that sells turkey chops, but they're not like turkey chops. And I found a place like uh, they sell lamb chops, but they all are decorated so nice with the little meat on it with the long bones. So the bone is 80% of the lamb. When I'm used to eating like real thick lamb chops. And so those lamb chops in Chicago actually look like a juicy steak. But here in Memphis, they have lambs 
that is on the bone that that is nicely decorated so the point is is that yes i can pray god oh please i want to find a place that have real turkey chops that don't have these cut up slices that look like chicken breasts Or I can understand that, yes, I'm going to hit or miss when I go to the store and get the type of food I want. So the, the point is, is that you can have faith for something, but don't think that it isn't going to require you to get up and do something. Your faith is attached to your works and your deeds. So you have to get up and do in order for you to be able to have and so god wants us to know that yes he provides for us but it also requires effort on our end so you don't want to you want when you're setting these smart goals they should be realistic you're not going to stop eating pork overnight you're not going to stop using profanity in a few hours like you're going to stop completely when you've been using utilizing elevated words your entire life you've been speaking profanity so it isn't a process that just happens. You know, it's a it's a continuation of a journey that you take. So you have to set realistic goals. Yes, God wants you to get that house, but you're not going to get a house and you just started your job. You're not going to be able to own this house in 30 days with an income that you haven't even been able to save a check. So when I used to work, um, let me give you another example. When I used to work at, I worked at this shelter and I helped so many people. And every single day I created um, SMART goals because it's so important to set these goals. And so I created these SMART goals and I basically created the, the template for the SMART goals. And I walk each person through each step of their smart goals and i want to say many so many people say the same thing well i want to get a job and i want to get a house and so that's the next goal it's like okay so what what is the anticipated date because on the smart goals that i give you it's going to have an anticipated date so the realistic goal is can you do this within a realistic time frame so you write it down when you want this to be accomplished, about what date. And then you put the estimated date of completion and then you put the actual date of completion. And so, for instance, when someone write, they want to get a job and then get a house. They may say to me, you know, um, I want to get a house next month. I start my job in two days. So I, I would say, so that's not a realistic goal because you have to think about saving your check. That means that when do you get paid? Every two weeks? Okay, so you're not going to get a check for at least 30 days because they're going to hold back two weeks and you're not going to get the next check until the following two weeks. So you're not going to get any pay in for at least 30 days. So you can't just move in the following month because now you're gonna have to need transportation to get back and forth to work. And then you're gonna have to pay all the people back that you borrow money from to get to work and for you to have lunch. 
So like we provide bus cards and we do this only for a certain period of time till you get paid. So now what are you going to do after that? So you have to think your first check is going to be paying all the people back that you owe. And then you're going to have to have work clothes. And so you want to have to have lunch. You're going to have to have bus fare. So you need to, when do you think will be a realistic goal to get you an apartment after you begin work? Because the first check, that's a no. So you have to think, how often are you going to be able to save? How much do you plan on saving? So that should be included in your SMART goal. So now we got to go back to the stop top and say what is specific you want to save some money and how much do you want to save for this apartment so we're going to add an addendum to this smart goal so usually it takes it's going to be about at least three months three to six months where it takes a person to actually be able to save enough money to be able to move and live in a place comfortably where you can go and purchase you a bed where you can get you know pay your security deposit your first month rent you can do all of these things but you have to set realistic goals and the, the t is for timely how timely is it are you trying to buy a house in 45 days and you just started a job that's not gonna work you need to have at least two years worth of steady employment in order for you to purchase a home. So making sure that you're very specific, you're me you have measurable goals, achievable goals, you have realistic goals, and you have timely goals. So that you have to make sure that you're including your, not just your faith that God has given you, but you also have to accompany your faith with your works. And so my goal is in this social campaign social marketing campaign i'm going to state the goals again so i want we want i want which is my mission right so we want organizations within workplaces underserved communities and government authorities to see that passionate communication disrupts conventional cultural norms and provokes thinking that transforms current processes that have been proven ineffective, explicitly being able to streamline social transformation. The behavior is better than the competition because it allows the opportunity to influence the greatness in others through passionate communication that is not afraid to induce insights that will make them achieve results and greater dedication and create negotiation, cooperation, improve perception, clarity, and impact with value. So that's the goal for my social marketing campaign. When do I want to do that? I will be doing it. You know, so the, the most important thing here to understand is it's about setting these goals and achieving these goals. So God going back to genesis i want to reflect and sort of shift focus back on sarah sarah becoming pregnant and so she bore a son to abraham at 90 years old and this happened at the very time god had promised so god will make promises and god will follow through on his promises and the things that god will do for you you have to have faith 
that God will do it. And also be intentional. The way that you be intentional is you act on your faith. You you begin to do things on your faith. So if you say that you don't want to smoke and you're trying to quit smoking, then you don't buy any more cigarettes. Maybe you need to go buy some loose cigarettes till you stop. You know, or maybe you just need to start eating sunflower seeds to combat the oral fixation that you're having. Because smoking is an oral fixation. So why not replace it with another oral fixation? So instead of smoking, go buy some gum. Instead of smoking, buy some peanuts. Instead of smoking, go eat sunflower seeds. Combat that oral fixation. So we have to set goals for that. And so now I feel like God is really talking to me through this, you all. I'm telling you, I'm, I know I'm I know I'm speaking the word to y'all, but I'm also feel I know I feel like God is talking to me too. Okay. So that thank you, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. So um let's look at Genesis 21, 7 and 8. It says and she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. So weaned is, he was breastfed. So Isaac was breastfed by his mom at 90 years old. And it sounds like something that could not be done and maybe it couldn't have been done and within the within the secular mind and the secular strength and power but with the power of god guess what they were she was able to win because that's something that god had promised so when she not only just bore a son but she breastfed too so just because she was 90 years old, it wasn't the promise just for her to have a baby. But she going to do all of the components to having the baby too. Meaning she can breastfeed and she could take care of this child at 90 years old. So God, what God had promised her, God delivered on that promise. And was able to allow her to even breastfeed the child. So that was great. So when we see, when God make a promise to us. God is going to fulfill his promise. So his son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh. We see this in Galatians 4.23. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh. But his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. We see these motivations here again. This is actually looking at our motivation. What's, what is your driving system? What is navigating your decisions? Is it the flesh or is it divine purpose? Is it the flesh or is it divine purpose? Is it the flesh or is it divine purpose? It's like, okay, we need to be able to stick to, are we going to be making these decisions in the flesh or are we going to stick to God's divine purpose? God's divine promise. And I promise you, I know that God is speaking to me right now. I just thank, thank you, God. I just let me just pray. I'm going to pray and um let me look at this other verse. Um, and this talks about um Sarah. It's this talk about Sarah in um Hebrews 11 11. 
And it says, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. So, you know, like, even though the name Isaac means laughter, because we see that Sarah was laughing at God. So we see the word um, Isaac is actually Strong's number 0337, which is Yitzchak, Yitzchak. Um, which is the son of Abraham. It means Isaac. So that's in Hebrew. The Hebrew number is 3327. Strong's number 3327. So we see that his name means laughter. His name means laughter. So with his name meaning laughter, why? It's because his mom laughed. Oh, I will have a son at, at, at this old age. So some people say God has a sense of humor. You see how, how the, the name Isaac means laughter. It's to remind Sarah what she did. She laughed at God. But we see here that God was able to deliver on his promise. So even though she couldn't have children, like if, if physically, God enabled her. And so she considered him faithful who made the promise. She considered God faithful. And this allowed her to be able to bear children. So um, Sarah was Abraham's sister also. So a lot of people, they do not know that Sarah was Abraham's sister. So when you look at Genesis chapter 20, verses 12 through 13, it says, Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not my not of my mother. And she became my wife. And when God had made me wonder from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. So when they had went, when they, Sarah and Abraham had left and they had went to, um, they had went to another land. I forgot. They, well, where did they go? They had, um. They had went to the king uh, Abimelech. So uh, King Abimelech was basically in the region of Negev, um, between Kadesh and Shur. And so when they went there, Abraham Abraham told Sarah to say that you're my sister. So they, they, they he wasn't even actually lying. He was telling the truth. But the reason why is because like during this time, all of these things were considered normal all of these type of activities like with with them having you know relations with their um sisters and stuff like that that was normal until we don't see until further on in the old testament that god says not to do these things and so we see this um do not We see these things in the Bible. We see these things in the Bible in Leviticus from, from Leviticus chapter 18. We see it onward from there. So just look at Leviticus. So Leviticus is a part of the Torah. Okay. So this is going to be in Leviticus 18 through 17 through 20. And it talks about, you know, um, sexual relations. So the law was being implemented. 
So God had to create the law for people to follow. That's why we have the Torah. But the law does not allow us to receive salvation. It does not. So we see that during this time when Sarah was, you know, she was blessed with Isaac and all that. That was the way that the world was expanding during those days. But in Leviticus, all of that got changed around. All right. So I'm going to, um, I'm just going to end on that note tonight and, and just state that, you know, God wants us to be able to integrate smart goals and to be able to, you know, just be powerful. We are powerful through his Holy Spirit. And we just have to see ourselves as being powerful. And God isn't being... God is not ignoring us. He's silent. He just wants us to know that we have to submit to his divine promise. Submit to our flesh or his divine promise. And so Sarah, she was able. She wasn't depending on... She didn't depend on the fact that you know, she couldn't bear children at her age. She depended on God to fulfill his promise. So that's what we have to be. We we see in Galatians 4 and 23, his son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh. So we are all born according to the flesh. But that doesn't mean we have to live in, in, in such a way where our, our outcomes are fleshly. We're choosing desires and pleasures over God's divine purpose. And so, yes, I think it's time for us to implement more SMART goals. SMART goals will help us enable the things that we need to do with the Lord. So let me go ahead and end on that note tonight. And let me pray. Father God, we thank you for allowing us to receive your word today. We ask that you just continue to give us divine purpose and let us follow your voice and be obedient to you lord allow us to receive what your plan is in our life allow us to accept the insight and the provisions that you've given us allow us to integrate our journey by always being accepting of your divine purpose no matter what that may be no matter what it may and no matter what it may be set out for us to do allow us to be sensitive to your divine purpose god we we mess up every single day every single day we mess up because of our inability to always stay the course because of our flesh and uh, uh, the fact that we want to fulfill our fleshly desires and fulfill our pleasures but God, allow us, please allow us to fulfill your divine purpose. Let us depend on your divine purpose and show us what your divine purpose is. And let us follow that through the power of your Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit inside of us be greater than any spirit in this world. And so, Father God, we thank you right now in advance for helping us. And I wanted to do like a special prayer for um, for Pastor Brad Knight. Um, I noticed the other day that his wife well yesterday i was looking at the um the online stream for church at story life church and a, a popka 
Florida. And I wanted to pray for Pastor Brad because he was at home not feeling well. And so I wanted to pray for him. So um, let's pray for Pastor Brad Knight. Um, and so, God, we just pray that you uh, heal Pastor Knight right now, God, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. God, we ask that you remove the burdens, every obstacle, every problem, and that you show him exactly what he needs to do in order for him to receive the healing that he needs. God, we thank you right now that your plan, will, and purpose is fulfilled in his life. God, you said that faith without works is dead. And so we thank you, God, that that he has the faith in you that in order for him to accomplish what he needs, in addition to him being able to produce the results that it will take for him to receive your blessing. And God, we thank you right now that you will lead him exactly where he needs to be. Pivot him, position him exactly where he needs to be, Father God, so that he can know and be able to help others be able to receive the same healing. And so we thank you, God, in advance for allowing him to see the things that he needs to see through your eyes and hear through your ears. And we thank you, God, that you will lead them and that family in a way that they should go continually, God, that you will provide them with protection and your and with your blood from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, and that you will give them a double portion of your love, mercy, and grace. So, God, we thank you in advance for everything that you're doing, everything that you're doing, and we thank you for them being ministers of your word and able to go out here and preach your word to the masses and so we thank you god we lift them up to you and uh, most importantly god we also would like for you to keep us protected by your blood so we plead the blood of jesus from the top of our heads to the soles of your feet god we ask that you allow the holy spirit in us to guide us in each and every step that we take god allow your blood to protect our steps and god allow our words to be be influenced by you our our thoughts, our actions, and the reactions in our mind. And God, allow us to understand your word with great interpretation and also revelation. Let us comprehend exactly what we need to do and not be deceived about anything. Do not let us follow any deceiving spirits or any deceiving doctrines. In the name of Jesus Christ, show us what we need to see in order for us to be orchestrated exactly what we're supposed to be. And so orchestrate what needs to be done, God, for us so that we can be maneuvered there. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. So thank you all so much for joining me tonight. I really do appreciate it. I will see you all on, what is today? Let's see. I will see you all on Thursday because I'm closed on Wednesday. So I'll see you all on Thursday. Thank you so much for joining me once again. Please send your prayer request to Law's Life Health at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. I will see you all on Thursday. You all have a good night and God bless.